that you came to church today. Amen. Uh, we're going to get into some good things today. First of all, we want to receive the Lord's tithe and your offering. <coughs> and uh, we're believing that uh, there's some good things in store. Amen. The, uh, the Lord had said to us in uh, the beginning, well, actually October of 2021, and he gave us this word. He said, you'll remember, uh, of course, the year for the church to display God's power. But he said, for the body of Christ, if they will believe, 2022 will be a year of beautiful clarity. Have you noticed that just in the world at large, they have no clarity? Right? I mean, you see that the world has done things in your life. As Pastor Lear would say, really, bro? <laughs> right? <laughs> or actually, I guess it's like this, bro, really? But anyway, <laughs> glory to God. But we have clarity. Amen. Say out loud, I have clarity. Well, then he said it would be a year of astounding abundance. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Now, the key to that is focusing on that. Yes. Remember, the Lord said to us, he said, he said uh, that when the world started talking about shortage, that we were to answer that with, I do not expect to be affected. And the Lord said that to us at the first of the year. And I know many of you have been using that, right? Amen. Glory to God. Every time you go to the grocery store, you do not expect to be affected. And you know what? You haven't been affected. Because that's not what I'm expecting. Amen. But let's look at a few things over the offering. We'll receive the, the, the regular tithe and offering. Then we'll receive our Ezra Project giving uh, a little separately we won't take too long on any of them but i want to give you uh if i could say it this way some assignments to focus on hallelujah job chapter 8 and verse 7 oh hallelujah increase a year of astounding abundance and he said in this year there would be restoration and he said, not only of finances. Now, understand what that means. I will restore finances, but not just finances. I was talking to somebody the other day, and a family member of theirs, the Lord had given them a word here in one of the services, and, and it, financial increase just keeps coming to them. And the Lord had told them, tell me how much you want. Tell me how much you want. You know, Isaiah 59, it says the Lord's hand is not shortened. I heard one man speaking one time. He said, there's nothing worse than a God with short arms. And he said, aren't you glad our God's arms are not shortened? Amen. Amen. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end should greatly increase. That's what you're expecting. Great increase. Great increase. Glory to God. Amen. 
I was talking to my mother today on the way to church. She's in Virginia preaching, has been there all week preaching. And uh, I was talking to her this morning, and I said this to her. I said, I'm telling you what. I said, if, if pastors are not seeing what God said, they need to get on, on the, the wagon, so to speak, because God's doing things. People are hungry right now for the things of God. Amen. And, and we're going to see it. Our latter end will greatly increase. Amen. Notice here in Psalm 65. Psalm 65, verse 11. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drop fatness. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys are covered over with corn. They shout for joy, and they also sing. What's that mean? I'm covered up with finances. Amen. Do you see that? You crown the year with goodness. My year's crowned with goodness. Your year's crowned with goodness. Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 67, verse 5. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then shall the earth yield her increase. The earth is designed to yield its increase to you. Hallelujah. Even our God shall bless us. Oh, hallelujah. The focus is increase. The focus is increase. You're increasing more and more. Psalm 68 and verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Daily. I'm daily loaded. Oh, when someone says, how you doing today? Loaded. <laughs> Amen. Or how about this? Increasing greatly. Woo, glory. Amen. How you doing, brother? Getting fat. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Not with pie either, just fat with prosperity. You tell them, look, my neck's so fat, the yoke don't fit anymore. Amen. Hey, hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Look at, look, at, look at Psalm 71. Psalm 71, 21. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Isn't that what the, the covenant, one of the first covenant promises that God made to Abraham? I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good? Can, can you take a couple more? Yes, sir. Psalm 105, verse 24. And he increases his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Oh, hallelujah. So whatever the enemy is, I'm stronger than it. Why? Because I'm increased greatly. Have you ever noticed that God doesn't talk about, I'll increase you a little bit? He says greatly. Abundance. Right? He talks about exceeding. Abundantly. Above all that you could ask or think. Wow. 
Glory to God. Uh, Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bring forth fruit in old age. They will be fat and flourishing. Right? We are, we are planted in the house of the Lord, and we're flourishing. Amen. There's another one. Somebody says, how you doing today, brother, sister? Flourishing. Flourishing. Amen. Glory to God. I'm fat and flourishing. Amen. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No leanness in the kingdom. No leanness in the kingdom. There are no lean years in the kingdom. Amen. You got time for one more? Psalm 85. And uh, verse 12. The Lord will give you that which is good. And our land will yield her increase. Notice what it says. Not might, will. Our land, my job will yield its increase to me. All right, you need to say that with me. Say, my job, my employment, my income will yield its increase to me. That's just it. That's how it is. Because the Lord said it would be a year of astounding abundance. Do you believe that? Amen. Let me share a scripture with you concerning our Ezra project. Thank you, Father. Oh, I believe God. Thank you, Father. In uh, the book of uh, Jeremiah, chapter 30, and verse 19, the King James says, out of them, and I wrote in my Bible, out of faith builders shall proceed thanksgiving. And the voice of them that make merry, and I will multiply them, and they will not be few. I will glorify them, and they will not be small. Oh, hallelujah. One translation, the Holman Bible says, thanksgiving will come out of them. A sound of celebration. I will multiply them, and they will not decrease. I will honor them. And they will not be insignificant. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's opening doors about our building. Amen. And we're going to walk into it. Hallelujah. You know, as God increases our territory and increases our reach, uh, the prayer covering over it, the prayer power over it has to increase. 
And uh, that's where we've been, Pastor Michelle and I have been finding ourselves is just praying along these lines of, Lord, what's the priority here? Because, uh, that, you know, we're, 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 we're doing what you've said. We're, we're pastoring uh, one church, two locations. You're, you're dealing with us to move into different things. And we're seeing the success that the Lord promised. But what's the priority? And uh, he keeps dealing with me. The priority, the priority is we're training and we're preparing. He told me plan, prepare, and produce. And so we're planning and preparing. We're planning departments, preparing departments. We're producing. So you see all these things happening, altar workers meetings, and all these things that we're putting together because we're preparing for what's coming. And if we're prepared, then when we go where we're going, we'll be ready to go. Amen. Isn't God good? Well, if you'd like to give today, you can certainly do so. There's an envelope there in the seat back in front of you. You can sow into the kingdom of God. We, of course, do have our uh, different projects that we are uh, working on. You can text to give FBLR plus amount to 28950. You can also give there online at buildfaith.net. Amen. Uh, we have our, our project 2414. Uh, I, uh, we, we've changed the way we present it. Each episode costs $420. Uh, 34 episodes are completed. There's 122 episodes remaining. And so you can see we're about a quarter of a way there. Uh, 75 people giving $25 every week will pay that on time and in full. So uh, uh, if you would like to get involved in that, you certainly can. Uh, we uh, have our, I believe we have our word supply, which is continuing to grow. Uh, this is uh, obviously for our product, the things that we make available free of charge. And then, of course, the Ezra project that we just spoke about, uh, which has uh, increased over the last week, a few thousand, we're to 31,457. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's so good. When you're ready to give today, why don't you raise your seed to the Lord? Father, we thank you for the seed that's being sown into the kingdom today. We thank you, Father, that in the book of Mark, chapter 10, you said the seed that was sowed in the kingdom that we could expect a return up to and including a hundredfold. And you said it would be in this lifetime, something that we could walk in and receive in this time. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for your people sowing and giving. I thank you for their heart to bless the kingdom. And Lord, may they walk in abundant favor in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. You can come rejoicing with your seed this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ha ha ha. Woo. Oh, glory. So good. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we just lift these seeds and tithe and gifts of love to you today. 
Lord, as we do, I call for an expedited harvest, an accelerated harvest into the lives of your people. And Lord, we call your people blessed and favored. We call them healed and full of increase in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Join me today in the book of John chapter 8. And uh, we are going to continue with this that we have been on. Don't believe the lie. And um, we want to welcome all of our newcomers. We pray that you received your newcomers packet when you came in. If you did not, uh, please stop by the media center on the way out. We have a gift for you. Uh, Don't believe the lie. And, uh, you know, we talked last week about how the devil, the Bible says the devil is a liar and that he's the father of it. And one translation says when he speaks a lie, he makes it up out of his own lying nature. Another translation says there's not one iota of truth in him. Now, you know, when we think about the devil, I mean, obviously we would say, amen, the devil's a liar. But think about this. There's no truth in him. None. So whatever he's saying, there's no truth to it. And even if he says something true, he he said some things that were true to Jesus. He said, the Bible says this. Well, it did, but he had an ulterior motive. He was trying to use the truth to get Jesus to tempt God. Do you see, he's still lying because that's not what that verse meant. That verse didn't mean jump off off the top of the temple and see if God will catch you. It means if you're in an accident, he'll give his angels charge over you and they'll protect you. They'll keep you. He makes it up out of his own lying nature. I hear people say things and please don't misunderstand. I'm not, I'm not running anybody down or saying anything bad about anybody. But they, they talk like they're surprised that the world is being the world. It shouldn't surprise you that unsaved people lie. They have no, they have no convict, convicting power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of them to help them. Right? Amen. It shouldn't surprise us. What should surprise us is when believers are thinking like unbelievers. That's what should surprise us. Amen. See, how do you think? Because how I think will determine my response. How I think will determine my response to a given situation. The way I think is going to determine how I see things. And then that will determine how things are. You think, you see, and that's how you will be. Period. That never changes. Hallelujah. Now, you cannot overcome something you think wrong about. If you think wrong about it, you can't overcome it. Because wrong thinking leads to wrong acting and wrong believing. 
If I think wrong, I act wrong, I believe wrong. Glory to God. The best defense against a lie is the knowledge of the truth. The best defense against a lie is the knowledge of the truth. In John chapter 8 and verse 31, Jesus was speaking to this group that had just believed on him. And he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. When he said, continue in the word, remain in the word. One translation says, remain in the word. Stay in the word. The word continue in the Greek literally means to stay or to abide, to endure. The one I liked the most was to be present in the world. I've told people for years, wherever you're at, be all there. Right? Be present. I need to be present in the Word. In, in other words, in whatever situation comes up, I need to be presently in the Word. All right? Whatever comes up, I need to be presently in the Word. I don't want a situation to find me outside the Word. It, it needs to find me in the Word. And notice, Jesus said, if you continue, if you stay, if you abide there, if you abide there, God is really big on abiding, right? Remember that song we used to sing growing up in church? I don't know if you sang it or not. Abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, love, joy, peace, right? All that's mine because I'm abiding, I'm abiding in the vine. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done to you. But what's the key? Abiding. Abiding in the, in the vine. Abiding in the word. So the result of continuing in the word, which is truth, is that we'll know the truth. We'll know the truth. Hallelujah. You can't expect people that don't know the truth to accept the truth. Have you ever known someone that wanted to put a 21-year-old head on a 5-year-old? Why do they act like that? They're 5. Now, if you're 21 acting 5, that's another issue. But you, Right? They're, they're a 5-year-old. Amen. Here, here's my point. If someone's not thinking right, you can't expect them to think right not thinking right. They're not abiding in the vine. If they're not in the word, they don't see what you see. They don't comprehend what you comprehend. They don't know. I said last week, you don't get mad at a blind person because they stumble. You help them up and help them make it. But the world, hear, hear what I'm saying. The spirit behind the world is our enemy. The world, the people in the world are lost and without God. They have no hope. Our job is to shine the light. That's why we've got to remain in the word. Amen. Lies blind. Lies blind. 
and lies bind. See, that's why I can't believe the lie. It blinds me and it binds me. But notice what Jesus said. The truth makes you free. The truth makes you free. And, and here, here's the thing. That's why this is so important. You'll hear people quote that verse and they'll say the truth will set you free. That changes the whole verse. Because set and make are two different words. He said the truth will make you free. That word means to deliver or to liberate. The word will deliver you. The word will liberate you. Oh, hallelujah. Just by being in the word. He said you'll know the truth. That word know is not just to have knowledge in a general sense. Right? Have you ever been talking to somebody and you're trying to help them and you're giving them advice and they go, oh, I know. I have a rule. If I'm counseling somebody and they go, oh, I know, we're done. Why? Because you know. Yes, people, it's been around me a number of years. I, I, I will get up and open the door and go, okay, we're done. Because you know. And if you know, why are you here? You're wasting my time that I can't get back. And you're wasting your time because you know. Your marriage is falling apart, but you know. Right? No, no is not just no in a general sense. It means I'm intimate with the truth. It's a word that denotes intimacy. In other words, I have become one with the truth. The truth is in me, and I am in the truth. It means, it means I perceive the truth. I understand the truth. Glory to God. So people who only know in a natural knowing, only know what the Word says, they can be deceived. Just because they just know what the Word says, they can quote it from general natural knowledge. They can be deceived. But understand, people that have that spiritual knowing, that intimacy with the Word, they can't be deceived. Because of the perception I have of the Word of God. Amen. You know, Eve knew what God said. But Eve didn't know what God said. Because when the enemy tempted her, she was deceived. Now, we're not mad at Eve. All of us have been deceived at some point. If you, if you say you haven't, you're deceived right now. Because <laughs> all of us have been deceived about something. But here, here's the point. When you know the truth on it. Well, how could that minister say what he said? How can he believe what he believes now? Deceived? Deceived? Amen. Yeah, but they know the word. They know the word, but do they know the word? I, I, I knew of a minister one time, if I said his name, you'd know him, and uh, uh, I'm not going to say his name. You, you may figure out who it is, and if you do, that's fine. But, you know, I, uh, uh, I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a while. And uh, uh, when I lived there in Tulsa, uh, you know, I, I had attended his church, and, and it, man, this guy could preach the pain off the walls. 
I mean, preach and make a Presbyterian shout. You know, you're doing something, you make a Presbyterian shout. Amen? People say, well, you know, make a Baptist shout. All you got to do to make a Baptist shout is say, y'all just hang with me. We got chicken after church. Oh, glory to God. That, right? <laughs> like, like, like Pentecostals, you know, just bring food in the mix. Hey, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Amen. But I mean, could really do it. And he went through a challenging time. He went through a challenging time with his father. And his father got sick and really struggled and really suffered. And he began to question God. And he came to the conclusion that God wasn't going to send, that God was not going to allow anybody to go to hell. And he made this statement that the only people that are in hell are those that the blood of Jesus was either not strong enough to reach. In other words, nobody's going to hell. Now, how do you go from a foundation in the gospel to nobody's going to hell? Deceived. How did they get deceived? They let the circumstance dictate what they believed. Don't believe the lie. Amen. I sent an email out to a couple leaders the other day that, that were talking about some different things. And, and I made a statement. They had a question about a certain thing. And I made a statement. I said, it doesn't matter who goes away from the sound doctrine of the Bible. You've got to stay with what the Bible says. Be careful when you keep hearing people talk about how that's done away with and that's done away with and that's not for us today and that's done away. Watch that. Because where do you stop? You take the issue of the tithe. If the tithe is not for today, somebody will say, well, the tithe is not for today. You know, that's under the, the old covenant. Let, 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 let's, 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 so you shall not commit adultery. That's under the Old Covenant. I, I get it now. That don't apply to us. It's under the Old Covenant. Isn't it interesting that God never told Abraham not to commit adultery? Never told any of the patriarchs not to commit adultery? People say, why? Why didn't he do that? He didn't have to. They had a relationship with God based on love. He had to give that, that law, he had to give those, that law to a group of people that had been separated from God for over 400 years. They'd forgot about God. But nonetheless, that is, that is brought over into the new covenant and it's still something we have to observe because that dishonors God. See, don't believe the lie. It's not just the world that'll lie to you. It's deceived people. Am I helping you? Mm. Look at Matthew chapter 13. When you, when you understand the word, when you know and understand the word, you cannot be deceived. Matthew chapter 13 and verse, let's look at verse 4 and then we'll look at verse 19. Oh, hallelujah. It says, and when he sowed, some 
seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured, devoured them up. Now, we know that uh, what he's talking about is the sower sowing the word. But notice verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Notice the key here. When they hear the word and they don't understand it. The enemy tries to get to the word before we understand it. Before it can take root in our heart. Because once we understand the truth, we're no longer in bondage to his lies. Because I know the truth. One translation, the Woos translation says, while everyone is listening and not comprehending the word of the kingdom, there comes the pernicious one and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. And notice it's the word of the kingdom. Well, what's the word of the kingdom? The word of your dominion, the word of your authority, and the word of your ability over the enemy. That's why the enemies tried very hard over the years, tried very hard over the years to stop that message. Because he wants people, he wants people bouncing from pillar to post, from defeat to defeat, and God said, I want you living in constant victory. Amen? So, listening then is not comprehending. I can listen and not comprehend. You, you can listen to your pastor and never take the time to comprehend what's being said. Do you see this? The truth has no effect on that person's life. Because I'm listening. Because when the truth is presented, I've got two options. Receive it or reject it. If I receive it, I'm strengthened, I'm helped, I'm equipped. If I reject it, I'm deceived. Hallelujah. I've, I've watched over the years. The Lord told me one time, I was, I was praying about some things, and I was watching ministers get into problems, and the Lord said to me, He said, stay with your fathers and you'll stay safe. Amen. And, and, I, and I, I read through the scripture. I, I read, I read the, the, the different scriptures in Proverbs where it says, don't go into the field of the fatherless and don't move the landmarks that were set by your fathers. Amen. I'll take a minute and take a little rabbit trail here. Remember when Rehoboam became king and, it, and, and the people came to him, the ten tribes came to him, and they said, look, Solomon worked us. Philip Steele translation here, Prince Philip translation. Amen. He, he, uh, he, they, they, said, they said, Solomon worked our fingers to the bone. And we worked hard during his 40 years of reign. And they said, if you'll make our load lighter, we'll be with you heart and soul. Right? And it says he consulted, watch, with the old men that had helped his father build the kingdom. 
the greatest kingdom Israel had ever known. Have you ever read through Solomon's reign and saw that he had not one war in his reign? Not one. Not one. Not one battle. Solomon fought not one battle. And he was the richest man the world has ever known. And the wisest man beside Jesus that ever lived. And these guys helped him be that. That's pretty good company. And they said, give the people a break and they'll stay with you. Then you know what he said? You know what the Bible says? He went and consulted with the young men that were brought up with him. Now, this is not against young men. Had he ever reigned, had he ever been king, had they ever advised a king, so they didn't know what they were talking about. And they said, you go tell them that your little finger will be thicker than your father's waist. And you thought he worked you, I'm going to double up. I'm going to work you harder than he ever thought about. He went and told them, ten tribes of Israel left. Amen. His reign wasn't very long. He lost his life. Why? He didn't stay with his fathers. Hallelujah. Look at the track record of those that went before us. Amen. Stay with what they taught you. The Bible talks about winds of doctrine that will blow through in the last days. They're blowing through. You stay with what you know to be true. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't, isn't that right? Hallelujah. That, that's so important. I want to hear somebody teach me that was saying the same thing 35 years ago. I mean, who do you want marriage advice from? Somebody that's been married to one man, one woman for 50 years, or somebody has been divorced five times? <laughs> Hallelujah. We'll leave that one there. It's, it's, listen, it's not, it's not that divorce is some unpardonable sin. It's, here's, hear what I'm saying. At some point, somebody doesn't know how to be married. Because you had five of them and none of them worked out. It can't all be the other person. I want to look at that person that can tell me how to stay with one woman for all of my life. What do I have to do to love her like Christ loves the church for the rest of my life? Is that right? That's what I want to know. I want to learn from somebody that has a track record of saying the same thing for more than a month at a time. Hallelujah. And that's why these redemptive truths that we're going to get into are so vital. Because it's what the Word says about you. Amen. We're not just here to listen. We're here to comprehend and to change. I want to change. 
Ever what it is, ever how old I am, ever how long I've been in, in, uh, in the things of God, I want to change. There's something in me that I can see greater. There's some revelation that I can grab more of. There's something that I can get a greater comprehension of, and I want it so I can do what God wants me to do, so I can be all that God wants me to be. Ever who you are, you are one revelation away from walking in the victory that God has for you. All it takes is that one moment of enlightenment that I see it. Amen. Whether it's a revelation that makes me shout or a revelation that makes me go, ooh. Right? I, it, it, whether I shout or ooh, I just want it. Hallelujah. I've always been that kind of person. If I'm wrong, I need you to tell me. Tell me so I can correct it. Hallelujah. Don't you hate that when you're doing something the wrong way and somebody just sits there and watches you? And then you go, well, my goodness. That was wrong. I got to do this all over again. Yeah, I noticed you were doing it wrong. Why didn't you? Hey. Huh. Where's my stick? Yeah. Amen. When we align our thinking with the truth, then we become what God says we are. But I have to align my thinking with the truth. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody, I had a pastor in our fellowship call me the other day and he said, hey, I, I, I heard something. I wondered if you heard it. And I said, no, I didn't. And uh, they began to tell me and I, I kind of said, well, I can't really comment because I didn't hear it. And I'm thinking in my mind, I don't plan to hear it either. But I called my wife. And I said, so-and-so called me. And she said, yeah. She said, I know what they're talking about. She said, I, somebody told me, and, and I, I listened to about the first five minutes of it, and they said this that God said is done away with. And she said, so I just quit listening. I don't need to know anymore. You just said what God said is done away with. I don't need to listen. I, I, I don't ever want to get behind a pulpit and make commentary on a lie. You came to hear what's truth. Not what somebody said that's a lie. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we, just, we thus judge that if he died for all, then we're all dead. Now, who did he die for? All. The Bible says all the world. Is that right? So all the world, which we used to be a part of, was dead, and some are still dead in sin. But they are dead in sin because of why? They have not believed on Christ. Because He died for them. Is that right? And that He died for all, that they which live, that's us, say that's us, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died and rose again. That word unto is for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. So when I got born again, the process is that I quit living for myself and I started living for him because of what he did for me. 
Is that what it says? And that he died for all, that they which live should not live unto themselves or for themselves, but unto him which, unto him which died for them and rose again. For him which died for them and rose again. So when someone says, I'm living for God, they're right on in their revelation. Because that's who we're supposed to live for. Because he died for us and rose again to give us the power to live that life. Amen. But the enemy wants to make people believe that it's, 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 if it's not impossible, it's extremely hard to live your life for God. When in reality, when you surrender everything to Him, it's one of the easiest things you'll ever do. Because you're doing it by the power of the Spirit. You're not doing it by the power of the flesh. Anything that you have to do in yourself has a weakness to it. Anything you have to do in yourself has a hardness to it. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm free to live right. I'm free to think right. I'm free to act right. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that when you were in the world and in sin, you did whatever sin told you to do. Ever how hard it was. Ever how difficult it was. Ever how debasing it was. If sin wanted it, sin got it. But when you got born again, you not only got liberated from sin, you got liberated to freedom. And you can live the life that God wants you to live. Glory be to Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. When I was a boy growing up in church, people would get up and testify. Y'all pray for me. It's a hard old way. Now, I'm, I, I never make fun of my upbringing. I'm thankful for my upbringing in, in, in Pentecost. I, I am. When people ask me today, you know, what do you believe? I, I don't say I'm charismatic or full gospel. I say I'm Pentecostal. That's, that's what I am. Now, I am word of faith and I am charismatic, but I'm Pentecostal. Pentecost is an experience, not a denomination. If you're full of the Holy Ghost in here, you're Pentecostal. <laughs> you old shouter, you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But they'd stand up and say, it's a hard old way. Well, you know, I remember just being a young man, young boy in church, thinking, living for God is hard? And you heard that a lot. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. More and more unto the perfect day. The, the, the Bible says that the yoke of Christ is easy and his burden is light. If, if you find something hard, if you find something laborious in living for Christ, let me explain something. You're doing it wrong. You, you need, you need, to, you need to, to, to substitute that for the light and easy. What's the difficult part is you got to stand against the flesh. you got to stand against what the flesh wants, what the flesh wants to do. You don't die to the flesh. You give yourself over to the Spirit. And the Bible says it's through the Spirit that you mortify the deeds of the flesh. Glory be to God. Amen. Is this okay? Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth. Now, in the light of verse 14 and 15. Henceforth, from here on out, know we no man after the flesh. Now, that's a responsibility we all have. 
If we know somebody's born again, we don't know them after the flesh. That includes yourself. I don't know myself after the flesh. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because Christ died for all. All were dead. Christ died for all. Now notice. We have known Christ after the flesh. Now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is or let him be a new creature, a new creation. Now that's an elementary verse to us. But remember, don't believe the lie. You're either a new creature or you're not. If the truth says you are, then you are irregardless of what you feel. Is that right? But you, you know what religion says? Well, brother, we're all just sinners saved by grace. But the problem with that is you can't be new and be a sinner. Now, again, that sounds elementary. But there are people I know, the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems I've seen in all my years of pastoring is people that are new creatures struggling with the new creation reality. If the Bible says you're new, then you're new. Now, that's not a license to go keep acting old because you're new. If you're a new creature, we're going to see a change. There's going to be some difference. Amen. You're not going to be that brawling man and brawling woman. You're not going to be cussing Susie and cussing Bobby. Right? Because when you got born again and became new, the cusser got cut out. Right? You're not, you're not going to be easily offended. You're not going to be easily worked up because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Is that right? Now notice. He is a new creature. A new creation. Old things are passed away. Now, let me ask you a question. If the Bible says old things are passed away, are they passed away? Then old things are passed away. The old you. One translation says that the old man with its moral failings has passed away. And everything has become new. Did that happen? I say, did that happen? Then if that happened, why would you ever talk about yourself in the past tense? Like what you was instead of what you are. See, that's the power right there. Don't believe the lie. Well, brother, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Sure enough, Scripture says that. Sure enough does. Romans chapter 3, it says that. Hallelujah. 
But Romans 5, 21 says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So there can't be none righteous, no, not one. And then we're the righteousness of God in Christ. That contradicts each other. If, if, that's, if that's correct, then Paul was confused. And forgot what he wrote in chapter 3. No. Let's look at it. We'll come back here to Corinthians. Verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, that's why the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 5, that, or chapter 6, it says, Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under law, but you're under grace. The law was a reminder of sin. Grace was the eraser of sin. And when you believed on Jesus and were forgiven by faith through grace, those sins were removed. If you're trying to live under law, there's remembrance made of your sin because it cannot take sin away. But grace can. Hallelujah. Now notice, so no flesh will be justified in the sight by the law's knowledge of sin, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Have you believed on Jesus Christ? Have you believed on Jesus? Then the Bible says you are righteous. By virtue of you believing on Him. Amen. And notice whose righteousness it is. God's righteousness. How did you get that? By faith. So you're righteous how? By faith. I said you're righteous by faith. Anything you do by faith is not based on feeling. Anything that you do by faith is not based on failure. It's based on what God said. And God said you're righteous whether you feel like it or not. God said you're righteous whether you look in the mirror and see a righteous person or not. God says you are. Don't believe the lie. Stay with what God said. That's the key to victory. I said that's the key to victory. Because the the Father, everything that the Father is, the family is. Everything that God is, those that are of God, they are. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of Him, God, are you in Christ. Of God, are you in Christ. Of denotes origin. It denotes where something came from. The preposition of denotes what a thing is made up of. In your spirit, you are 100% Holy Ghost. You are of God. You are of God in Christ. Christ. Don't believe the lie. You're, you're, you're not some, uh, some duplex where God has a part and the devil has a part. When you were born again, you were made new. There's no apartment in you where the devil resides. Amen. You are of God. 
I say you are of God. And notice, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, see, that's there, but you can't take it out of its setting and use it wrongly. Well, now, brother, I know you sinned because, you know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's talking about the sacrifice of Christ that fixed the sin problem for everybody in the world. Everybody in the world will not believe it. But for those of us that have believed, the sin issue has been done away with. Is that right? And he said, all have sinned. Is there anybody in here that can raise your hand and say, you haven't sinned? Thank you. Everybody has sinned. Everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. But notice, being just, notice after the glory of God, there's a colon. So being justified freely by His grace. Justification and righteousness go hand in hand. They are basically the same thing. And He says we are justified how? Freely. How? By His grace. But have we all sinned? Have we all fallen short of the glory of God? But yet it says we're still justified freely. Isn't that good? And don't believe the lie. I'm justified and I was justified freely. My righteousness, my sanctification, my salvation cost me nothing. It was a free gift. I believed in Jesus Christ and God did the work of redemption in my life freely. Glory to God. Amen. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. In in other words, a redeeming sacrifice through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. <laughs> he is just and the justifier of those of us that believe. The Bible says, who shall lay anything? To the charge of God's elect. It's God who justifies. Who justified you? God did. How how did he justify you? Freely. What was the means? The blood of Christ. For, For what? Sins that were passed. Through the forbearance of God. You lived your life in sin. And it was through the forbearance of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God that you found a place of repentance. God worked with your heart. God worked with your mind. God worked with you and got you to a place where you would believe the word because he loves you and he cares about you. It was his forbearance and his mercy and his grace. And the moment you bowed your knee to Christ, you were immediately just and made justified and righteous in his sight glory to God that's why the enemy's got to bring up your past if if you believe your past you'll never live in your future 
if you don't get the idea that the old man is dead, 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 dead. Dead men can't put up a fight. Dead men can't cause a problem. Folks, it's not, it's not so much always the flesh that's the issue. It's that people do not believe who they are in Christ. If you believe who you are in Christ, your flesh will be little or no problem. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I've known preachers that, that, that oh, Lord, I better not say that. I, I've known preachers just go from woman to woman to woman to woman. And they'll make this statement. Well, you know, I'm the kind of man can't live alone. You need another dip. I, I'm, uh, you, you understand? I, I'm not talking about that it's wrong to remarry. That's not what I'm talking about. You understand? I'm talking about you had one here and now you got another one and now you got another one. And you use the excuse that you can't be alone. You have that little control over your flesh? Dear God, no wonder people in the, in the pew can't live over their flesh. We got shepherds in the, in the platform that can't live over their flesh. Dear Lord, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to risk heaven for sex. I'm not going to risk heaven for pleasure. I'm, I'm not going to risk heaven for sin. Well, God will forgive you. Well, I, I know that's what the Bible says, but you really want to risk it? You know, that's eternity. I don't want to stand before God and Him say, well, all this could have happened, but you wouldn't live o- over the flesh. Well, you're never going to live over the flesh if you don't see yourself as righteous. If you don't see yourself as just. Th- this is so important. Amen. Brother Hagin said, am I helping you out with this? Brother Hagin said something one time that so blessed me. He said, he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, he said, it seems to me in the days of the healing revival, the voice of healing revival that went on in the, you know, from the late uh, 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 40s up through the 50s. And he said, it seemed to me that we didn't have as much terminal illnesses, cancer. Things of that nature. And the Lord said this. He said, you're right. He said, because people live cleaner lives. They lived cleaner lives. That struck me. You know, we live in a day where so many people are trying to say, whatever you do, God's okay with it. He'll forgive you. It's just, hey, you know, he understands. What about that scripture that says, come out from among them and be separate? Right? Purify your hearts. Wash your hands. Is that what it says? That's not legalism. That's freedom. That's freedom. Because God knows if I try to live like the world as a new creature, it's going to pull me back. And he says, I need you to come out and I need you to be separate. I need you to take some steps and be separate. One of the greatest steps you can take to separate yourself is I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm just. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I don't, not only do I not have to do that, I don't want to do that. 
I don't want to be a part of that. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defile my garment. I'm going to live a hundred percent for Jesus Christ. I don't have to believe the lie. I don't have to struggle. I, it doesn't have to be hard. Living above sin and living for God is easy. I can do it in the name of Jesus because not only has he given me the desire, he's given me the will and the power to do it. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Amen. Do you see that? That's why, that's why the enemy's always picking on your righteousness. He's always picking on your new creature who you are in Christ. Because he knows if you don't let that go, there's nothing he can do. Nothing he can do. The Bible says our armor is an armor of righteousness. We have the breastplate of righteousness. Woo, glory. Amen. That breastplate covers most of the man. It's the breastplate of righteousness. That Roman soldier would shine that breastplate up and buff it up until it would blind the enemy when the sun bounced off of it. Righteousness is a weapon. The Bible says the righteous will shine like the stars in the sky. Your righteousness is a blinding weapon to the enemy. It blinds him. It takes his ability to see how to defeat you out of the way because you're righteous. Glory to God. Amen. Boy, that's good. So back in 2 Corinthians 5, I'm watching my time. I'm coming. Glory to God. The door is open. Do you see this? I've had people tell me in my preaching on righteousness and justification, I've had people tell me, literally look at me and say, you're giving people a license to sin. And people say, what do you say? I said, no, I'm giving them the antidote of sin. I remember one time pastor told a story, first, first church he pastored. He said, I knew there was sin in the camp. Y'all, y'all ever sit and hear that message in church? There's sin in the camp. I haven't known preachers to put a tent on the platform and do an illustrated sermon. Aiken's tent. And they'd go in and out of the tent. What's in your tent? And they'd come out with a sin. What's in your tent? Sin in the camp. I'm not making fun, and, and, but you understand. What did that focus on? Your sin. But he said, you know, Pastor, he, he's, he's not as, as loud as I am. But he, he said, you know, there's sin in the camp. And he said, I was loaded for bear. I was going to come out and take care of that sin. And the Lord said, no, you're not. He said, well, Lord, there's sin in the camp. I need to go knock it in the head. And the Lord said, and you'll just make it worse. He said, go and preach to them how righteous they are. And you'll, you'll, you'll deal with the sin issue. Now, there are people, now listen, granted, there are people that hear it and just keep right on living the way they're living because after all, pastor said I was righteous. 
There are works that come with righteousness. There are works of righteousness. And when you're made righteous, your works change. You're not going to be the same old mean, ugly, sour puss that you were. If, 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 oh, I'm, I'm moving on, moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Notice. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And all things are of God. Who reconciled us to himself by Christ. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So notice, you got born again, and all those new things, old things are passed away, all things have become new, all those new things are of God. Isn't that good news? Of God. One translation says, as a source. So when we say, I have God in my heart, God is in my life, what we're really saying is, I have him in me. And all that old previous moral disposition is gone. All things are of God. Think about that. Try that out. Close your eyes and just say, everything in me is of God. Wow. And when the enemy comes and tempts you with something, you just say, mm, no, 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 I'm of God. I don't want that. I don't want that. Why would I, right? Hallelujah. At salvation, we were made new creatures, but we got to learn to live and think like a new creature. The Lord said to me one time, the world cannot tell you how to live like a new creature. The world can't tell you how to live like a new creature. They don't have the answer. Hallelujah. The word tells you how to live like a new creature. Amen. Many are new creatures, yet they have no understanding of what it means to live as a new creature. It's not just living over sin. It's living in that joy and that peace. Living in the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this can be frustrating and defeating to a lot of people. There's nothing more frustrating than knowing you're saved, but not walking in victory. I am, say it out loud, I am, present tense, a new creature in Christ. See, don't believe the lie that you're just a sinner saved by grace. Well, I am a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner who was saved by grace. You're no longer a sinner. Listen, I know almost everybody in here that's married. You're married. You're not single. I don't care how you feel. Now, here's the thing. If you're married and you try to live like you're single, you're going to destroy the marriage. People say, why'd so-and-so backslide? They must not got anything from God. Or they were in a church that never told them how to live like a new creature. You can get frustrated in your walk with God because you don't have the answers to things that you face because you're not taught how to overcome. You have to be taught how to overcome. Somebody had to teach you how to do wrong. You got to learn how to do right. 
Amen. When what you believe you are presently will determine how you live. And understanding that I'm a new creature will free me from the bondage of who I used to be. Amen. Yeah, but my family says this and says that. The Bible doesn't say you are who your family says. It says you are who God says you are. Yeah, but they don't believe in me. That's okay. God believes in you. God believes in you so much that he paid the price for your sin and justified you freely with the blood of Jesus. That's how much God believes in you. The next time somebody in your family or your friends starts talking about who you are and who you aren't, settle it in your mind. What'd they ever pay for you? Nothing. God gave everything. And he gave everything and said, you're righteous. Oh, glory. You know, Paul made a statement when he was writing. He said, he said, you know, that God sent Jesus into the earth to save sinners of whom I am chief. And then he said what he had done. He said, he said, I was a blasphemer. I was injurious. You know, that word always got me because I kind of like the word injurious. I'm going to tell people, don't you be injurious to me. But then I, I looked at and I found out what it was. It's, it's where we get our word masochistic. Paul's saying, I enjoyed seeing people suffer. The Greek says he would go into Christians' homes and grab them by their feet and drag them down the street. And he took pleasure in testifying against them and having them put to death. Took pleasure in that. He said, that's who I was. Ha ha. He said, but God be thanked. God was merciful. And he forgave me. And he said, I became a pattern for you. That no matter what you've done, and no matter where you failed, God is merciful, and God is forgiving, and God will cleanse you. Glory be to God. Whew. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Look at 2 Corinthians, you're right there in verse 5, or chapter 5, look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God beseeched you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. For, in other words, you might as well be reconciled to God. Because look at this. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Is that what it says? Jesus became sin so I could be righteous. In right standing with God. Now, again, that's elementary, but what's the enemy do? He tries to convince people that if they make a mistake, if they fail, or even if they don't make a mistake, or even if they haven't failed, that somehow there's a separation between them and God. They're not righteous, but the Bible says you are. Righteousness is not a feeling. It's standing. I am righteous. Oh, hallelujah. Look at 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. He became sin, and we walked away with all God's righteousness. Wow. 
Hallelujah. The greatest thing you can do for your child is teach them that they're righteous. You're righteous with God. You're born again. You're in right standing with God. The earlier you can teach them, the, 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 the bigger step up you get on the enemy. Because as soon as he can, he'll start. A child that knows they're righteous won't lie to you. They won't hide things from you. Because they believe in the righteousness of God. They believe in the forgiveness of God. They believe in the mercy of God. You, you understand? Why do kids hide something? Because they, 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 they don't want to feel bad and they don't want punishment. And they don't, they don't want to look bad in your eyes. But when you settle that, look, you're righteous before God. And if you make a mistake, you confess it. You admit it. You tell God. You tell me. God will forgive you. I'll forgive you. But don't hide it. Righteous people don't hide things. When somebody really believes they're righteous, they're not sneaking around the back alley trying to fool around. Because I know I'm righteous. I know I'm righteous. I have no desire. I have no appetite for this world. Amen. 1 Peter 3.18 Christ also once suffered for sins, but just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He suffered once for all, the innocent for the guilty, the unrighteous for the just. The righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty. Something happened to Jesus, and because it happened to Jesus, it doesn't need to happen to us. Hallelujah. The righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust. I was the unrighteous, now I'm the righteous. I was the unjust, now I'm justified. Hallelujah. That all happened when you raised your hand, bowed your knee, confessed with your mouth, believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth that Jesus was Lord. The just for the unjust, the, right, the, the righteous for the unrighteous, the, the guilty the innocent for the guilty. Hallelujah. I am now the righteous. Look at Romans 3. We read this a moment ago, but I'm going to reiterate this. I want to emphasize this one more time. Notice what he says in verse 24. Being justified freely. We were made upright and in right standing with God freely. Salvation was free. And in salvation is the power to live out your salvation. A lot of people find living out their salvation difficult. And that's because they do not understand the truth about what happened to them. You know, even though it happened to you, you got to take a stand. Because the Bible makes this statement. It says the eyes of man are never full. That means there's never enough. I told a guy one time, 
he was, he was, they, they were talking about uh, an affair, somebody committing adultery. I said, if one's not too many, a thousand's not enough. That's got to be your mindset. I'll have people come and ask me, they'll say, Pastor, is it a sin for a Christian to drink? You know what I always say? Why do you want to know? <laughs> Amen. I, I had a lady get upset, sort of, because in, in our departmental policies, it says if you're a member of a department, we're expecting you to keep your life clean. Oh, it got quiet. You know, I'm, I'm right. I'm, I'm not expecting to drive by the bar and see your car. And, and, and this lady said, well, you know, but I like to, you know, I go to weddings and, and I like to drink wine, you know, at the weddings. If they're drinking wine, I'll drink. Well, but here, here's, here's the thing, you know, <laughs> why is that an issue? Is there anybody in here that can tell me one upside of getting drunk? You remember? <laughs> remember those days? Why, why would you want anything to do with that? Putting your face in a place that was never meant for your face. God, God did not make you righteous so you could just go live ever how you wanted. I know, you can't, un, you can't unsee that. But that, that, that's, that's what's important. It's, it's those things that God freed you from by making you righteous. You will never have to worry about losing anything because of drunkenness, because you will never again be drunk because you're a new creature in Christ. You won't have to worry about losing your family because of messing around, because the messing around was taken away when you became righteous. So important. See, when you make allowances for the flesh, right? Well, you know, I like a glass of wine with my dinner. Well, you're making allowances for the flesh. Now, I know this is old-fashioned, but you're still making allowances for the flesh. I had a guy come up to me and say, you know, uh, how, how, much, how many beers could you drink before it was a sin? Well, I don't believe you'll go to hell for drinking a beer. That's not the point. What will it do to you? I said, what will it do to you? Hallelujah. Anybody in here, when you got saved, you had to change what, the music you listened to? Just two people? Right? Because the music you listened to, what did it bring back? Memories running through the pages of my mind. Right? Amen. Why, why did you change that? Because that's not who you are anymore. Oh, this is so important. 
And, and, and I'm not just, I got, I got to close, but I'm not, I'm not just talking about drinking. You know, if, if you're in here and you like a glass of wine with your dinner, look, I'm not condemning you, but I'm asking you, what's the upside? What's the upside? Why, why are you doing it? Amen. Well, you know, I believe it's so okay to watch movies. You know, after all, well, you know what, what they do in the movies, I'm not going to do. But, but the Bible says not to set any unclean thing before your eyes. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it is a shame to even speak of the things that they do in darkness. Why would I bring what they're doing in my home? I'm righteous. I don't have to do it. Now, Philippians 2 and 13. We'll be done with this. Am I helping you? What pastor preach on today? Don't put your face in a place that was never meant for your face. <laughs> That's what people remember. Amen. Hey, laid on the floor and made some noise. I'm telling you, I teach this for two reasons. Because we all need to rehearse it. And, and when you have a church with many new believers, you need to understand something. If there are things you want, don't want to do anymore, you've got the power not to do them. That, that, you can't be held in bondage anymore because you've been made free. And that's why the devil fights the knowledge of the truth. Because if he can convince you that you can't ever be free of that, then you're held in his bondage. But the Bible says we're not in bondage. We're in glorious liberty. Philippians 2 and 13. This is a familiar verse. But notice the Amplified Bible says, It is not in your own strength, for it's God who all the while is effectually at work in you, energizing, creating in you the power and desire to will and to work for His good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So God, notice, not only gives you the will or the power, but He gives you the will to do it amen you know when you make the decision and you say okay father i want to do what you want me to do and i'm committing myself i'm submitting myself to your will and to your plan then he not only gives you the will to do it he gives you the power to do it isn't that good news that's good news that's good news say out loud i'm free i'm whole i'm complete in christ in jesus name Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning, if you would. Bow your heads with me this morning. I want to speak to those online, those in the room today. Hallelujah. You know, in, in, in all the message that we've, we've ministered today, the things that we've taught, you know, what I hope that you've gathered is that God has given you the power to live the life that he's called you to live, and you can do so. If perhaps you're watching online or in the room today, and you say, Pastor Steele, I'm, I'm struggling in some of those areas. I would like the Lord to help me. I would like him to, to, to help me gain the victory over some of these things. I need a renewed sense of my righteousness in him. With head bowed, heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, and you would just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I, I, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that I would walk this out? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just real quickly before we go home today. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. God bless you. 
online, if that's you, I, I want you to just say this prayer with me. Everybody that raised your hand in here, everybody here today, just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you that Jesus Christ became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God. And I thank you that I've not only been made righteous, but I've been given the power to live righteous. In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. Let's stand up today, shall we? All of you that raised your hands, God bless you. I believe you're going to live in an even greater level of victory. And you know, I say this often, but you know, if you've just started coming to church here or, or uh, whatever the case may be, if you'll give the Lord six months of your life and you'll come to church steady for the next six months, everything will change. Everything will change because you'll be under the word. Hallelujah. Don't forget, of course, tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll be here again. If you can be with us in person, we'd love to see you. If not, please join us online at buildfaith.net. We'll start live streaming uh, around 6 o'clock this evening. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, say it with me this morning, would you? The vision of this church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.